Welcome to the New Dawn Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Lusht. This podcast is dedicated to uncovering, unlocking and unleashing the truest, most authentic versions of ourselves. And in order to do that, we need to have conversations that expand, unblock and help us to create new neural pathways. As a transformation coach, I've seen so much change and growth happening for my clients lately. We are being squeezed to let go of what no longer serves us and to step by step embrace all that we are which is especially true for those of us who are on this planet with a deep desire to be of service and to help others. And so often we sabotage and stop ourselves from implementing the offers we have in our hearts, which is what I'm here to help you unblock and release. To find out more how we can work together, check out my website at www.dornlush.com. In each of the New Dawn podcast episodes, We dive deep into change, transformation and inspiration and hope. Hope of something greater, inspiration for empowerment and change, and the tools for positive transformation. In today's episode, I have invited my friend Sophie to come and hold space for my story. My why, the reason I'm doing these podcasts, the reasons I show up in my work, the reason I want to be there to support others, you in your development and your journey. And it all stems from a place of my own experience with suffering and pain and joy and heart connection and disconnection, all of it. And we don't go into every single part of my life today, but we do touch on some very significant and poignant and moving moments that I've experienced. And Sophie so beautifully holds space for all of that. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was quite emotional for me to record. And I hope that within it, you can find some peace, some resonance, and maybe some part of yourself that sounds familiar within it too. So without further ado, here's Sophie interviewing me for the first time. Hello. Hello, Dawn. (laughs) Hello, Sophie. Now, this is interesting, isn't it, Dawn? Because this is your podcast, but you've invited me on to interview you. Well, I kind of figure that I... Uh, I'm very interested in everyone else's perspectives, very interested in how people are put together and how they come to this place in time where they're sharing their stories and their reasons why and all that kind of stuff. But there's a reason why I created the podcast. There's a reason why I'm interested in these stories and these people. And it's because there's an element of me that sees myself in these stories. And I'm desperately, if that's the right word, fascinated and intrigued. And uh, sometimes when I get very passionate, I only think of French words. So I've got attiré, which I think just means drawn in by people's stories, um, because my story matters to me my hero's journey if you want to call it matters to me and is the catalyst and the reason that I do every single thing that I do and I literally couldn't think of anybody else more fantastic to share this space with and explore this journey with than you Sophie so thank you. Well thank you Dawn so 
Now, what, what I will say, what I do is I spot spaces. So I know you go up very big to bring, you know, bring things down. I spot the spaces that we do. I hear words and I, I hear repetitions. All right, I'll spot something. So I go into those spaces and then I want to expand on them. So awesome. what I just heard from you there, you were talking about you are interested in people and you see yourself in people. And so what got me curious is, what do you see of yourself? Is there a is there a key or a core element that you can that you spot in the people that you come across? That's such a good question. I love it right out the gate, Sophie. <laughs> love it. Okay. She's off. <laughs> She's off. What do I see? I see the struggle. I see the struggle and the magnificence and I didn't see my own magnificence for a long long time I only saw the struggle so that's the bit that I inherently see first in people and want to create solutions and offerings and um, guidance to be able to help us out of that space and embrace all that we also are which is our magnificence and our love for ourselves and the shininess the brightness that we all inherently have within ourselves which took me a lot longer to recognize within myself um so it'd be those two things i suppose okay so i want to just pick up on something there because both you know they're the they're the they're the extremes let's say you know you've got the struggle and we've got the magnificence both, in my experience, are painful. Right. And both are glorious. So I'm curious about your, you said that you focus very much on the struggle. That's all you could see initially until you really could then open up to your magnificence. So talk to me about your struggle. <laughs> How long have we got? Says the suffering little inner child in me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly um I don't know I you know uh, I everyone has a story I have a story I have an experience experiences that I would say have created a certain experience of suffering within me um and my job I know this isn't answering your question exactly but my job for myself is to rearrange myself in space and time so that my story isn't an overwhelming over income all-encompassing suffering experience so I'm more than happy to share all of the things that have happened to me um, with the understanding that I'm not looking for pity I'm not looking for shame. I'm not looking for anything except for a connection. If this speaks to you, if you relate or understand or see yourself in this, fantastic. That's the whole purpose of all of our stories is for connection, in my opinion. Um, but hold me, hold our stories, hold me in a higher light hold me in a higher space and place where you can see that I am kind and gentle and loving and caring with my story and myself join me there 
is my caveat to yes any story. And yes and that's as you were talking Dawn it was that what I can feel this is going to probably emerge into because I we're picking up on the suffering and magnificence which essentially are a oneness there is a yeah. magnificence in the suffering and there's a suffering in our magnificence right yeah so we you know it's a, it's always going to be a completion circle and the more suffering you know the the, the the more you can hold your suffering in um love the more magnificence you go into right exactly so let's so yes we are coming from this as a we are holding this space of this is what we're walking through we're going to walk through this journey of what the pain that you've experienced the exquisiteness of that pain the exquisiteness of the shame the exquisiteness of the suffering because it gives you integrity right for you to sit here today and tell us a story because if you'd just gone out and read a book about theory about you know psychology and coaching and you know got your certificate what gives you okay you get a certificate but actually what gives you purpose to stand in front of the people that you're standing in front of and tell the story it's your journey right exactly that I mean there was a one of my clients um about a year ago was going through her cancer treatment and at one point she didn't know whether or not she was going to come out the other side of it and she said to me that it was like looking down the barrel of a gun and not knowing which at which point um whether she was going to it, the trigger was going to be pulled and whether she was going to come out the other side and I thought to myself I really relate to that like not through cancer I've not had that kind of experience but I've had self-annihilating experiences where I didn't know whether emotionally mentally spiritually physically I was going to come out the other side or even what that would look like you know they was they were you know um that point where the light inside of you feels like it's been extinguished forever and you're not sure whether it's ever going to come back Okay, so we have stepped down some quite deep into the, my, I've got goosebumps. We are going into the cellar, right? <laughs> I we've, love the cellar. <laughs> we've gone down, okay? Yeah. I can feel this. So mm -hmm. there is a lot of energy around here. There is mm -hmm. something very rich down here. Is there, can you, can you expand on this looking down the barrel for you? What, have you got a, a core, a key story that you can expand on with that and share? I've got many key stories um one of them and listeners will have heard me talk about this before uh is the death of my daughter so she was um i was full-term pregnant and she basically uh, caught a, a lung infection from me and her dad um and the following day couldn't fight it off and she she actually died in my arms like I was alone with her and I saw her take her last breath and it was just me and her in my bedroom watching her draw her last breath and the most incredible things happened in that moment the I had this I, I don't know if it's even a allowed to say but I'm saying it to you who says all sorts of shit on the internet so I'm going to just say it <laughs> express it these conversations need to be had let's go there 
I know in that moment that uh, she wasn't scared of death. I knew in that moment that I wasn't scared of death and that she had gone. And I, even within the split second, because uh, I did CPR, I, the weird thing is, is three weeks before I had gone on an infant CPR um, uh, training course. So I knew my skills. I knew what I needed to do. Like it was fresh and ready in my mind. So I did those things. But before, just as she took her last breath, I thought to myself, I felt it in my being. Oh, this is done. Our story now changes and it's different. And the grief that goes with losing a child, um, I think is annihilating and that's the point where I wasn't sure whether or not I was going to come back from that but there was a choice point not long after I didn't realize it was a choice point but the choice point came when I thought to myself this is either going to swallow me whole and I will never see the light of my soul ever again or I need to make this mean something and it was from that moment, like I've always been somebody who's needed meaning and purpose. I, I, I want that. I want this experience, this life experience to mean something. So I know I've already got that kind of approach to life anyway. That's uh, like um, a bias, let's say. But in that moment, I knew that this needed to mean something or what was the point of it all? Like, what is the point of that amount of suffering? Uh, uh, I'm trying to find some words. Yesterday, uh, my beloved Viking, my partner Ben, was talking to me about the that Japanese art of when things break and you put them back together with gold. I can't I can't remember what the word was right now. Anyway, um, and it that springs to mind in this moment hmm. because I was broken into pieces and it's not the last time or the first time that that's happened but each time I go through something like that I find another piece of gold and I and I find more tools I find more love I find more strength of spirit and courage I find I recognize myself just that little bit more and my connection and understanding of myself deepens and strengthens and grows and and I'm happier dare I say mm. isn't that crazy to think that you go through these massively shit moments and you come out the other side more positive more determined and happier and even more peaceful so there's a, there's a few there's a lot that's come to me whilst you're talking there's a presence that I can feel that you're talking with just sort of tacking on to what you said here I can't help but feel that that must there's there's such a presence within yourself to have witnessed yourself through it right so to have walked it and to come out the other side and to then feel your magnificence right mm -hmm. but what I really want to go back to which you did hop out of, and I want to take you back to this space of when you were holding your daughter in your arms and you said, I knew. Now, 
I work with a lot of women who have had loss of a child or miscarriage and I work through these with them and what I like to um, the space I like to hold them in is that one because I, it's not expressed enough I don't think we share these stories openly and fully for fear of upsetting oh right? my god that yeah? is you know, when I, let me just add on to that. I, I was working in London. I worked in London in HR for 10 years. And, you know, I was really good at my job. And I remember going back to work. So this, she died on a, she was born on the 21st of December on a full moon, a blood full moon and died the following day, right? Um, and then I went back to work on the 14th of February, so Valentine's Day. And I remember walking into work and thinking to myself, don't say anything because you're going to upset people. And so people would come in and they would avoid me and I would smile as much as I possibly could because the pain that I felt, I didn't want to spread it. And it, the moment you mention a dead daughter or dead child that it, it just it like sucks the absolute air oxygen out of a room and then where do you go with that like I didn't want to feel responsible for somebody else going through that like just <laughs> you know yeah. so I did I just held it in so and be because of that then it's the existence isn't it so then it's the existence of your daughter mm -hmm. and the existence of you and if you're not being, if you're not telling your story fully, then the stories never exist. And the women and parents never see themselves. And so no one knows where the light is in this because it's, my body's like lighting up a lot at the moment. I am feeling it's a very, it's a story very close to my heart. So that, Again, I want to just come back to that moment of you holding your daughter and your knowing. Mm -hmm. What was that? It was extremely peaceful is what it was for a brief moment before my brain kicked in and understood what had just happened. Um, before that had happened, the holding of her I was I watched it unfold it was mm. it, seconds right but it felt like a an extended moment uh, as if you know everything started to go in slow motion um and I felt like and this is po after the fact interpretation of events at the time because at the time I wouldn't have not only would I not have spoken about it in this way, but I wouldn't have even thought to speak about it in this way. But it was like a, it was like I was given some information about this situation that I only needed to know in that moment. And that was, it was happening, it was okay, and there was nothing to fear. Like it wasn't okay, but it, I was going to be okay. And yeah. she was going to be okay. Um, and it happened within a split moment. And then my whole world fell apart after I realized what had happened, obviously. But actually, um, it all felt very 
peaceful. And what was that aftermath, Dawn? What was that? So you'd had this peaceful moment, this knowing, this wisdom had come through you, this in these split seconds. Actually, let me just add one more thing. Just, yeah, before, just before she took her last breath, we were, I was tired. I was very, very tired. Um, I'd just given birth. Uh, it, I'd had a, I think, 36 hour birth at home. I'd labored um, with a reflexologist. She was epic. It was all, you know, it was all quite intense, really. It was snowing. It was, you know, all very inward. And then, um, after everyone had left and my husband at the time had gone out with his dad to go and get a few bits and I was left alone with Charlotte and I went upstairs to have a nap took her with me and as she were as we were lying there she was facing me and I remember her like she wasn't even a day old she stared at me in the eyes and locked eyes with me and we connected for what felt like ages and I remember thinking at that point I think this is unusual um and again remember I have a bias towards creating meaning right so it might be that none of this actually happened but my interpretation of these events are that this felt significant at the time. This moment that I was sharing with her felt eternal and that there was a, a moment where we both saw each other and had a very intimate moment together. And then she started to not breathe. So I've forgotten your question again. The aftermath so of the when after Charlotte yeah. didn't breathe any longer took her last breath well I mean it was a series of extremely unfortunate events like I um, I was on the phone to the um the uh the police uh, the ambulance doing nine uh CPR but we lived on a brand new estate and it well there was two foot of snow they couldn't find us it took them an ever such a long time to get here to find us too um and by that point um it was game over anyway, you know, for her. They managed to uh, keep resuscitating her or working on her until they got to hospital and she they managed to get her heart going, but her brain uh, was dead already. So, you know, had stopped. I don't even know what that is, but it wasn't working. Um, and they said, do you want us to keep her alive? And I was just like, she's already not here. So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And we both agreed, like it was this, like an obvious decision. Mm -hmm. And then um, um, from, I think it was just an enormous amount of, enormous amount of grief and pain and suffering and all of it, all in, all coming to the surface, all in one go. And were you... Did you get to keep hold of her or was she then taken from you? What was the, then what was the journey for you? So um, she had to have a post-mortem. Um, so we were able to spend a few hours with her um, and we asked my ex-husband's parents if they wanted to come and see her, uh, which they did. 
my parents were living in France, so they couldn't come uh, come along and see her. Um, and then after that, we just said our goodbyes, really, um, until and because it was Christmas and because of the new year and uh, because it was an unre uh, an extremely cold time of year. Um, there was a lot of death uh, that particular year as well. So uh, it took us an awfully long time to um, cremate her and have that ceremony and put her to rest. So the time in between those two things felt like limbo. But we, you know, even in those moments, we, we were both very connected to butterflies. And so we asked everyone to send us... Um, pictures of butterflies and stickers so we decorated her coffin with loads and loads and loads and loads of butterflies from all of our friends and our family so everyone felt like they you know were contributing something and then all of the ones we had so many and the ones that were left over we decided we'd go and give to the local preschool so that they could enjoy uh, the butterflies and without any association of what they were from or for or anything, just, just uh, yeah, just to pass on some love. Well, and that's, yeah, as you're, as you're telling me that story, I mean, the emotion in that is just, is so real and it's the, the butterfly effect is sort of coming to me and that the ripple effect that Charlotte had actually on everyone, you know, the impact right even if people didn't know that they were why they were receiving the butterflies but she managed to touch a lot of people mm -hmm. she did and you know I think what was really interesting was I had a very I think you know some of this very turbulent uh, experience with my ex-husband and for three months between her death and then three months afterwards, which were really critical. Uh, we, we really came together and worked together. I, I don't know, it just, it was probably the most significant and best time of our entire time together were those three months afterwards. Um, So I just want to, because so so <laughs> like coming back, you know, I know we've gone, we've gone right down here. We've gone into the soil. Yeah. We're like really rooting around in here. Yeah. And what we're talking about is suffering and magnificence. Yes. Right? And the magnificence of suffering and the suffering of magnificence. So you're now saying that throughout, so this period, you have this space that then unfolded with this relationship with your ex-husband. Yeah. And what was that um in the suffering was this the magnificence that was coming through it could you see this kind of what was the what were you really what was revealing what was what was coming what was yeah what was coming from it what was nurturing I would love to say that this was a moment in time where we both became self-realized and came together and okay. um, everything was amazing afterwards. That's not true. That isn't how it happened at all. However, during those three months where we really needed each other for reasons best known to the universe, we came together and we were there for each other. 
Um, and I know it can have the opposite effect for many families. Uh, I've witnessed it, unfortunately, for a few of my friends who've been through similar things. Um, but I think that was probably the most unified he and I had ever been. Um, and I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful to him for those three months that we were uh, post that experience. Yeah. And so you talk about meaning and purpose. So, sorry, I didn't actually ask how long ago this was. So when did, when did this happen, Dawn? 2010. How long? Yeah. 2010. Okay, so the meaning and purpose. So you've had now 12 years. So mm. post this, Charlotte would essentially be 12 now. Um, what, what have been the revelations for you? What has, what's the purpose and what's the meaning? And does it change? Does it shape shift? Is it, what does it feel like for you? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, what's really curious is I've thought about this question a lot and how to um, frame it in my own story, in my own life and how to give it, what meaning does it have and all that kind of stuff. And weirdly <laughs> out of the story that I'm here to live hers might be the the, the least significant big event that's happened <laughs> why is that <laughs> well because in some respects it's the most straightforward okay mm. you know you have a it's the most, yeah, it's the least complicated. Like it's a clear mother-daughter loss. That's straightforward. There's not a lot of confusion or doubt or whatever. It is what it is. And what you're doing is grieving. And yes, you create a new identity for yourself afterwards, as you do every time you go through a significant experience. But it was easy to get my head around. No, it was, no, it was um, not easy to get my head around, but it was easy to formulate what it meant. Okay, yeah. And process it in that way. So what did it mean? It was, <laughs> I never thought about it in this way, really. <laughs> Uh, and I love you for bringing that question in this way to me, Sophie. Thank you. Um, she was just, no, she was a point in my story that for that every point, every experience that I've had so far, I am able to assign it a value of sorts. So there are certain stories that talk about betrayal and um, heartache and um, separation from myself, separation from my purpose. Um, you know, all of these kind of really interesting concepts and ideas. When it comes to Charlotte, though, uh, it she is she was my moment in time where I stopped being fearful of death. Okay. So that's, mm. that's really what she brought me. Mm. And then a, a, a much, I became, 
I then created a very interesting relationship to death and dying and loss and separation. So I realized in every single moment, all bets are off and anything can happen. Literally anything can happen. So the moment, and I know this is an interesting thing for me to say, considering what's uh, where you are this today holding this conversation, but Anytime I drop off my son with his dad, I think to myself, this could be the last moment I see him. And instead of it being something that I hold as fear and anxiety, I it makes me want to show up differently. It makes me want to show up and love him and make the effort to move past my own wounds to love him in a way that I want to love him. And therefore, I know that when I drop him off, he is completely certain how I feel about him without me suffocating him. Well, that's what I think anyway. He'll, he might have a different uh, perspective. Um, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, it does. And um, a question came in as you were talking. And... I'm, I'm metaphysics is something that I'm I, I play with with the way I see the world and so the question was which I, I well yeah I think well have you answered I don't know whether there could be a bit more to it but what part of Charlotte was you oh okay let me have a little ponder Mm. Oh yeah, was that did I frame that right? Or what part of you was Charlotte? Yeah, so yeah, who was Charlotte from you? What part of her? Yeah, what part of you came through Charlotte? I want to say, although I probably think back on this conversation go no duh it was this one instead <laughs> but I want to say it was the impermanence of it all mm -hmm. okay and my ability to hold things without having to grasp them and hold on to them and suffocate them for dear life but hold something more lightly okay and because up until that point I really had and, and I still do sometimes have a very interesting relationship with things that end like I I struggle with endings um okay I I get very attached to thing people especially um not so much things I'm not really too worried about that but when I love somebody I love them wholeheartedly and I'm all in all mm -hmm. of the time mm -hmm. um and I will and so when it comes to Charlotte I think there was that line in the sand that says, okay, now you have a different relationship to endings and you know that it, they happen. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and you know that they happen. So in the lead, so 2010 mm -hmm. and your life before the 2010, you're talking about attachment here and how you love people, was that... What, was this the, a strong patterning throughout your life to that point? You know, I think the, the strong patterning that sits behind the, the attachment to people 
from up until recently has been a, a, a codependence. So not really knowing myself, not really listening to my inner knowing uh, or my inner child, not really having a relationship with myself that felt like I could trust my own judgment. And therefore I would constantly create relationships with people where, um, or, or enter into relationships where they were the more dominant personality, believe it or not, with me as you know, <laughs> the submissive. <laughs> and, um, and so I would therefore cling on to this person like they were so utterly important in my life that I couldn't live without them. And therefore that feeling of ending was just too terrifying to think hmm. about because there was a part of me that needed to be in this situation and what's that from is that a is that tied up with rejection is that something yeah what's yeah this? yeah I think there's a, a few things that go into those kind of uh, emotional um thought forms and one of them is you know, the way I see it is we all have these shadows that we come into this world uh, to experience ourselves more fully, right? So I have, uh, before I'm born, I think to myself, I, I kind of signed up to have this thought form, this thought form, this thought form, this thought form, and then piece it together and have life experiences to experience contrast. So then through that, I can find the gold uh, to put myself back together let's put it that way and then find the gifts within all of the shadow and then bring them together so that they're one and the same right can I yes so I just want to come back to something just for the listeners because which I'm sure your listeners have got an idea of what you're talking about but just to be clear because this is something that I believe and feel too so you're saying that even before you have come into this realm you have signed up to a contract with your your courthouse or whoever it is that's around you saying right yes this is the life I am ready to go and meet and discover myself and I will do what I've got to do that's that am I right in saying that's what you're saying so you've come into this world with some kind of mission yeah and again this is me I don't know actually if it's me needing to have meaning in my life or knowing that I already in some way had meaning in my life, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's let's take an ownership of that, right? Yeah, exactly. So yes, I do believe I had these these experiences. So when you asked me, was it rejection? I uh, that underpinned a lot of these codependent relationships. In fact, I think it's a a, a plethora of things like low self-esteem, uh, rejection, um, not having my own feelings validated as a kid, um, you know, not knowing what complete unconditional love meant and um, then having maladaptive responses to feeling conditional in relationships and having to be a certain way and show up in a certain way. And then we haven't even covered the whole empath, highly sensitive piece, which means you're naturally wanting 
you can feel somebody else's pain and because you don't know how to deal with your pain you think oh i'm just going to help that person deal with their pain instead because that's way easier to handle which is a cock of shit as well but (laughs) you know so i think there's many threads that draw and that's what i mean that's exactly what i meant when i said that charlotte seemed the least complicated yeah i can see that yeah. Because when I, especially when I'm unpicking my uh, very, um, very, what's the word, unhealthy relationship or the unhealthy relationships that I've had, there's a lot of threads, mm-hmm. you know, least of mm-hmm. all how I relate to myself and my mm-hmm. own inner critic and how I, do I love myself? through this process how do I relate to myself when Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't got boundaries or when Mm -hmm. my thoughts are taking over and I'm reacting in a non-positive way or towards myself you know all of these moments it's just you can quite easily just want to just sit on the sofa and go no thank you (laughs) yeah have that back yeah I didn't sign up for this bullshit. Thanks very much. So visions come to me as you were talking. And again, it's, you know, sort of coming back to the suffering and magnificence and presence, because I very much, I'm very aware of your presence throughout situations and throughout your life experience. And so it's, it's this presence I can't help but feel that has really helped you unpick and see fully your life experiences right so do you mean like an awareness of myself yeah you're yes so you've been Mm -hmm. very there's you've had these moments in your life where you've been present regardless of whether it's painful or pleasurable it's you have just been present right Mm -hmm. which takes a lot because usually we're we're straight out and me you know how much have you been able to hold yourself even if it's for a few seconds you've held yourself in the most powerful presence and the vision that's come to me is um is it's like it's a circle and going around the circle is this magnificent magnificence and suffering and it's just constantly going around and in the middle of that is your I get mind's eye your presence another circle and it is just this constant almost like you're just there in this stillness whilst it's going around you yeah one of the practices that I've really um, spent a lot of time and continue spending a lot of contemplation and aware and awareness to cultivate is this witness perspective mm-hmm. and it's the witness perspective the ability to not disassociate because that that could seem quite similar but this ability to hold a, a gaze over what I'm experiencing and try not to put a story on it yeah. just to see and see what's happening and then allow it to be mm-hmm. um, that's how I have and I continue to learn how to release myself from the association of suffering with the life experiences that I've had is by uh, releasing the charge that comes with it yeah does that make so, sense yes it does and what I'm curious about is if you've got an example, which I'm sure you have, Dawn, <laughs> is what is th- looking that gaze that you would, let's say a memory comes up, and this is what I'm wanting to 
ask you to bring up if there's a memory that you know that has come up for you that you've been able to gaze over to transmute yes god how many so i'll give you a recent example and i spoke about this a little bit with um the viking on the last uh, i love calling him that i'm just so <laughs> delighted by him um in my last uh, Heartful Relationships podcast with him, we spoke about it a little bit, which was this event that happened a couple of weeks ago when we were together. And what's really interesting is uh, Ben is my first relationship that's consciously and with awareness broken or created new patterns. Um, and I spent a long time celibate on purpose to create these new patterns. But being with him and the type of relationship that I'm cre we're creating together also means that anything that's been unresolved that I haven't worked on from the uh, abuse that I uh, experienced in my last relationships is now coming up to the surface to be lovingly looked at. And now, thank God, I have so many tools at my own disposal that um, I am like boss babing this shit, you know? <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm doing a really, really awesome job. I'm not saying it's easy by any stretch of the imagination. There is more snot and tears than you could imagine. But it is so beautiful what comes out the other side. Like I love beauty and I think mm. emotional healing is beautiful um, in all stages, but especially mm. when you're done with it. Um, no, I don't mean that. <laughs> um, so what happened was the, the one of my core wounds has been betrayal, emotional betrayal. And ultimately, what I came to realize, it was a betrayal of myself with myself. Like I didn't have my own back. I didn't advocate for myself. I didn't stand up for myself. I didn't make healthy decisions. I always gave away my power and my uh, ability to make decisions to the other person because I thought they could do it better. So the ultimate form of betrayal, right? And what I've realized is that this internal form of betrayal would play out in my relationships as a sort of a mirror uh, to show me what was happening on the inside was happening on the outside. So I had loads and loads and loads of moments of betrayal um, in relationships. And the last one was, the most significant one was in my marriage. And I had, and it was so painful and I you know there's part of me that thinks that grief and especially a grief um, of a child dying is significant but I'm not sure it's as bad as betrayal and that sounds controversial probably but having spent many many hours contemplating my own asshole <laughs> <laughs> and my relationship <laughs> my own suffering and pain and especially with these relationships I think betrayal is the worst of all and it came up as a trigger in our relationship and I remember sitting on the side in the kitchen talking to Ben and witnessing 
myself. And what I said to him was, and this is, this is the witness perspective that was able to articulate it after I'd been for a two hour bike ride, cried my eyes out, got loads of snot and then come back. Right. And I said to him, what it's like is I'm holding two. And I said this a little bit to you earlier, two perspectives at all time. On one hand, I am holding my wounding. I am holding my pain and I'm holding my suffering. And from this space, my thinking and my thoughts are actually pretty distorted. So the lens through which I see my life at this level is wonky. And so I will interpret your behaviors and your thoughts and your experiences and what you do to me. If I interpret it through that lens, we're not gonna last very long because I am always reactive when I'm in this space and I'm hurt. And so whatever you're doing is basically an attack, right? If I, and then the other gaze that I hold is this place of unconditional love for myself. And also this, um, what did I say, call it earlier? Where I'm advocating for myself, where I know I have my own back. And in this space, my lens feels really clear mm-hmm. and I can see his behavior and what he's doing and how he's doing it. And they look really different. Mm. The same behavior, the same person and the experience is really different. So I said, from this witness perspective, I am able to see and interpret his behavior and what's happened through both lenses. And I remember thinking to myself at that moment, wow, I now have a choice of which one I'm going to put as true. And I think up until that point, and I researched it a bit more, um, there's cognitive distortion that happens with the wounded side. So you place more emphasis and more truth on things that are negative because you believe those negative things are probably right. And therefore, when good stuff happens, you don't believe it. You don't trust it. You think Mm. it's going to all fuck up and it's going Mm. to become another shit show. But in that moment, I really recognized these two experiences. And I chose joy. Mm. And I chose love. And I chose to hold my wounding with reverence and love and kindness and compassion I'd say, and I'd say to him I am in so much pain right now my heart hurts really 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 much but I love me and I love you and I'm going to sit in this space and allow myself to love the wound. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question? Yes. And that, because this is a practice that I do as well and live through, and it is that, it's that release that it's, it's an expand, the magnificence again, right? That's what's coming to me is this kind of the moving through of it. I don't like to use the word quickly because it sounds like, it's just been like shrugged off, but it's not. It's like everything that you've cultivated for yourself, 
when these things happen and you have these tools, as you call it, that you can recognize that you're seeing it through. I can choose that lens or I can choose this lens. Actually, I'm going to go into fully feeling this and say I'm hurt and speak it and honor yourself and love yourself fully. It's like it just, it kind of go, just dissipates, isn't it? I'm kind of go, just, you're looking at it immediately, aren't you? And just, well, what exactly that? What I know to be true for myself is that um, if I choose the gaze of the wound, I can stay in that space for a really long yeah. time. And it's comfortable. It's familiar. Mm -hmm. It's I know the back room, the front room, the cellar. <laughs> I know every single part of that. And it and it's really, really, really comfortable. But I've been in that space so much now that I know that the answer to, to creating a life that I adore and having a healthy relationship with myself doesn't lie in there. Like there's an understanding of my wounding. There's an understanding of what I'm there to do and why I'm there and how I've got to this point. Mm -hmm. But the answer to helping myself out of that space doesn't lie in it so I can either sit there and go into blame judgment shame wallowing which I've done like I've done 40 years of that stuff <laughs> and I and I you know I don't know if you have these moments but you get to a point where you think I've really had enough of this bullshit that I'm feeding myself and yeah. I mean that from a really truly loving place yeah because you can't push away your no. wound and expect no. to love it or no. heal it. it it's an integration right yes yeah it is absolutely so I bring it in and I like a wounded animal mm -hmm. I lift it onto my lap and I stroke this deer <laughs> or rabbit or whatever you want to call it and I but I say I'm going to hold your pain. I'm going to hold your wound, but I'm going to hold the vision of you being healed and whole mm -hmm. as the outcome. Mm -hmm. And do you feel now because of, because you're transmuting these experiences on a, on a different level quickly, they sound like they're probably coming up a lot faster for you to be like, oh, okay, I've got this. It's almost like you're on a tennis match and you're like, oh, got that, got that, got that. Um, is it, um, now I've forgotten where I was going. It was very clear a minute ago. Where were we going? It was the transmutation of it. It was the feeling of it. Uh, oh, let me just, I'll just say one yeah, thing. On. I have, uh, um, the reason I was sharing that was because I've had many conversations with my nearest and dearest that says help me out of this quickly get me out of this suffering place quickly um and what i was doing was pushing it away and yeah. making it wrong yes and that when you say go through it quickly it the only reason i get to quote unquote go through it quickly is because i am bringing it with yes. me i yeah. am wholly loving yeah. it and yeah. allowing it and seeing it and nurturing it and talking to my inner child like yeah. my life depends on it and you know using all of my tools to integrate these yeah. parts of myself rather than 
shame yes. and judgment and guilt and all those kind of things. Well, it's choose your pain, isn't it? It's choosing the pain of I'm going to be keep the pain hidden in a box. I'm going to turn away from it, but knowing that it's going to be building up as one big bogey. <laughs> <laughs> I do love a good bogey, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's like going to come and get you at some point. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, or it's the choose the pain of I'm going to feel this fully now. I'm going to walk through it. I'm going to hold through it. And there's a difference in the quickness. And it's like, yeah, it's just this extraordinary um, experience of, I know when I started doing it, I thought, can I, well, I I don't know if you do it consciously, but it happens. And then you've had this complete outburst and you said the truth. And then suddenly you're like, oh, I'm okay now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's almost like you shocked yourself out of sitting in the pool, right? Of going, oh, but shouldn't I be sitting in this a bit longer? And there's a part of no, actually, because there's this, well, children do it, don't they? They can process, I think, within something like 45 minutes or 90 minutes. So a kid will have a complete complete tantrum, they fully feel, and then suddenly everything's okay. And the parents left going, what? Hang on a minute. You were like screaming a minute ago and I don't know how to the parent can't quite catch up whereas the child's done it because the child's so present right exactly you know what I've noticed is every single thing that's happened in my life I don't want to say to me um, because that again reinforces this idea of victim mentality and suffering but the things that I've been part of that have happened in my life um reinforced this conditioning that I had around I am a victim and I am suffering and I I actually became very addicted to my own suffering and I would almost seek out the poor me I would almost seek out like there was part of me obviously that knew that I didn't want to be happy and yet at the same time I am absolutely loving being miserable Mm. (laughs) right and it was only when I realized the depths of how much I was um, addicted to my own suffering that I started to go okay now I have another choice here and was that because you spotted spaces? Were you spotting things? Because you talked earlier about your, you spotting the lenses you see things through. So what was that? Was it, did you just start to spot things and go, I can make a choice here? What was that for well, you? Well, I'd like to say there were moments of <laughs> opening up, like you talk about. But actually what happened was I took, I in every situation, I took my suffering to the absolute end that I possibly could because I thought that the answer was there and I honestly really didn't want to change like oh god changing is exhausting and or can be or felt Mm -hmm. like the thought of it was exhausting and so in my head I just wanted to like a marathon runner go right to the end of this experience and make it as extreme as I possibly could like the total polarity of Mm -hmm. all of this and then I get there and I go 
well, this is my day of reckoning and this is absolutely horrific and maybe there's another way. So, but do you feel that going to those, do you go to them intentionally to the end? Was that what you were doing to get to the day of reckoning? You know, I, I don't know if I was, I definitely wasn't consciously doing that, but if you look at my human design, there's a, there's a, I'm a projector five one. So that like you talked about at the beginning, there's that um, desire and ability to talk about the bigger picture and then drill it down to the minute detail and to have an understanding of how those two um, perspectives link in with each other. And so when I look at that on my own life, I see that in order for me able to in order for me to be able to express concepts and ideas and uh, understand of pe people's personalities and behaviors and how we're put together, not only do I need the bigger picture, but I have to understand the very sneaky, finite, intricate detail of the psyche. Like I feel like I've been to the inside of my own psyche and back out again. <laughs> It's not for everybody. <laughs> no. I got, I got, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so that's that's the experience. So mm. you could say that I'm kind of made that way to want to have those experiences mm. so that I can become almost an expert in suffering, <laughs> you know, mm. and then an expert on how to come out of suffering yes. and then help with this bigger picture, help people guide them through their own versions mm -hmm. Uh, of wherever they are with their life stories too. And what, when you have gone to the end, what do you see there? Like, do you have a good look round? Oh my God, I have a really decent rummage. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to unpick every, to the point where I've had friends that say, you don't need to do this. Like you could have stopped about five <laughs> months ago. And I'm like, I know, but there's a compulsion within me to unsee. And like, I think if I ever had um, a gravestone when I'm dead, that it literally would say no stone left unturned. <laughs> You know what I mean? So I, there's a, a desire beyond my own uh, conscious awareness that is needing to go into every single space and understand it. So, for example, when I, for after 9-11, way back when, I think it was 2001, wasn't it? Um, I had a, a six-month panic attack. Like it wasn't an on and off thing. It was a, it started one day. I thought I was literally going mad and spent six months thinking that I had lost my mind. And every single day I thought I was going to die. And so as any normal sane person does, I went to every single religion that I could possibly find to find the meaning of life. And <laughs> I, I didn't find it there, um, which is fine. I mean, I'm sure people, you know, whatever floats your boat, but for me and my, this need to unpick everything and to understand it at its core, I didn't find what I was looking for in those spaces, but the desire for my panic attack, this drive to want to understand meant that it took me to these places um, to see what I could find really. And 
these experiences where you're going through and you know you have this sense this feeling of I'm losing my mind at the time yes it can feel very unnerving and unsettling and you have to wait for hindsight unfortunately to kind of look back and see you know yeah. for you to sit here and share this story now but it's such an art and it's so powerful and there's a wish for me that to inspire people which I, which is what you're doing through your journey and te- sharing your story here is to say be present in this because it is that journey of do you know what I'm going to go and explore everything and I'm not going to attach myself to it but I have this desire that it's, it's just the acknowledgement isn't it it's that acknowledgement of I have a curiosity I have something that I'm trying to solve within myself and it's going to take me down these paths and it might be end up being a book it might end up being this it might end up or it might just end up being that I discover what I need to discover but we've come to such a point I'm not I'm generalizing admittedly I am generalizing that we're so afraid of these things right Dawn and so we suddenly think so we think straight away I've gone mad I need to go and see a doctor and fix it Mm -hmm. I was terrified but it's so how did you catch yourself then Did I catch myself? Well, did you catch yourself? But, okay, so the desire, you said that you had this desire to go and, what, did you wake up one morning and suddenly go, do you know what, I'm going to go and try religion? What was that? What was that calling? What was that thing that popped up, that intuitive message, that wisdom that just dropped in, in that space? Um, You know, I think from the moment I was able to articulate a desire as a kid, uh, it was why. Yeah. So that's if you were if I was a um, a stick of rock like a seaside stick of rock and you cut me open the question why would be there <laughs> right as well as different ones now but for majority of my life that's been my driving force is why for everything yeah. so um, when I was a teenager and I I actually joined I was an evangelical Baptist for a really long time um because I wanted to know why and it I just life felt to me at that for many 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 years just felt really flat and lifeless um and so I looked to the traditional more traditional although you maybe don't call evangelical baptism traditional um I looked to the more traditional roots to find um something more a meaning, a purpose, again, I don't know. I think, you know, there's part of me that maybe in a past life was a priest or a nun or something Mm -hmm. with a a, Mm -hmm. a deep connection to spirituality and oneness and, you know, that this kind of more spiritual sense, which I still have now. But so there's always been that thread throughout my life um, of wanting to know, why so I don't think it was too much of a stretch when I then started to have a panic attack to go well this is kind of a familiar route I'm going to go see if I can go and find more information here Um, and at the time my mum was working for the Catholic Church so there was that route 
to go to mass and to experience that and to talk to priests one-on-one, you know, and have those kind of dialogues and um, not feel like I got anywhere. So Uh, you didn't feel, so there wasn't a, so you didn't feel a sense of peace by going to this place. There wasn't a, what, did you not feel seen or heard? What was it for you that, or fulfilled? Because you were thirsty for something. I wanted answers okay. and I, and and at that point in time, I was very attached to the logical, the approach to mentally understanding, give me a reason, a concept, a framework for me that I can buy into that okay. makes sense of all yeah. this suffering. Yeah, okay. Help me understand here. And they were like, you just got to have faith. And I was, fuck you with your faith. I want to... <laughs> Give me a framework. Give me something I can actually grab onto and create an emotional foundation with. Because what you're telling me to do is just trust. And at the moment, I can't, I don't, don't even trust I'm going to breathe in the next five minutes, let alone you tell yeah. me that I need to trust God. I mean, like, yeah. what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. And, you know, those experiences have 100% formed the foundation of why I created my roots program or why I create the heartful program that I'm doing now is because I now have the foundations from the trial and error and the experiences and stuff that I've been through that mean I feel solid yeah if you talk to me I'm guessing you're going to feel the solidity within me that that is ever present for me even in times where I feel wobbly I still feel very solid um and Again, like all of the things that I've been through in my relationships, which have been a lot of contrast, I now am creating something completely different with Ben and it's working and it's amazing and it's not without its contrast, but it's full of love and connection. And I just want to... If any of these insights can help other people, I want that. Mm. I want what I didn't have, Mm. you know? So, again, let's come back to the suffering, the magnificent. (laughs) Oh, that's what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. In terms of suffering and the magnificence, it's very easy for me to sit here in one respect, as a listener, to listen to me talk about what I'm about to say next and go, oh, yeah, well, okay, good story, ends well, nice, blah, blah, blah. But if you understand, or even if you don't, the journey that I've been through to get to this point, and then understand also the gift of beauty that I'm now experiencing in every single relationship that I have with my son, with you, Sophie, with Ben, with my friends, all of us are connected on a deep and nourishing Mm. and a seen connected perspective Mm. and experience, which is something I never would have dreamt of. And I feel abundant every single day right? How can I not? Like, these are rich and incredible conversations. So 
the magnificence for me is I wouldn't have got here and Ben and I talk about this all the time like he's had his trials right he's had his very contrasting experience of life also and we both have learned so much about ourselves that we're able to create this beautiful container between us um, because of everything that we've been through and that for me is the beauty in the pain in the suffering in this moment that we're now creating together same with you Sophie you and I are having this conversation together today because there's a part of us who've, who we've seen the underbelly of our psyches mm -hmm. and there's a resonance and a mm -hmm. connection because mm -hmm. we know <laughs> we know <laughs> so we know so what so to, to 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 leave a jewel and a gift to the to your listeners today with the suffering and the magnificence and the the wholeness and the oneness of it what and and you have just how you have surmised it very beautifully here but yeah what do you what do you want to leave them with today because yes yeah, some will be like yeah all right for you so bloody hell you know you've got it sorted but actually also there'll be someone that is going through this and that is that that is sitting in that pain and suffering at the moment and so yeah what do you and also people in their magnificence. There'll be people who are feeling fully abundant. Be like, yes, sister, whipping off their bras and hitching up their skirts and like, bring it on, more of this, please. Let's dance. What do you want to leave people with? Allow it all. Mm. Just know that you can do it, whatever it is that you want to do, that it is now yours to have and create. And that for the first time that I can see, we now have so many opportunities for creating toolkits, for creating understanding, for creating connection and ways of being able to do that that haven't been available to us before. And so it's like such a ripe time to, to love ourselves fully, mm. to allow the experience to be that there are no mistakes, even if that triggers the shit out of you listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what? what? I liked her until that point. Yeah, yeah. Get <laughs> Um, and everything is figure outable. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Receive yourself is yes. what comes to me. Receive yourself. All of all of yourself in abundance. I guess the last thing, just to add what you just said there, Sophie, is create ceremony with yourself. Mm. Yeah. Get to know yourself. Find mm. out who, what you like, what you don't like. Sit with yourself, even if it's just five minutes every day mm. with a cup of tea. Just sit in ceremony mm. and allow it. Mm. <sighs> Dawn. 
thank, thank you, you. <laughs> thank for you letting so me you. for inviting me to receive you all of you I feel there perhaps it's got to be some more of these ones because there's so many there's, <laughs> I wanted to unpick so much but I'm aware that obviously you are a mother and you have to go and <laughs> pick your son there's up school so. pick up yeah, yeah you've got the school pick up oh it always gets in the way doesn't it so I very much hope that we have another opportunity to pick up on a on a on a taboo topic that isn't spoken about so that your listeners can see themselves and hear themselves um, and know that there is a space they can seek out to Mm -hmm. to be witnessed even if it isn't our eyes on them but to hear a story you have a witness yeah that's beautiful (laughs) thank you Sophie thanks Dawn I appreciate you. Oh, I love you, Dawn. I love you too. (laughs) Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that exploration and deep dive into our psyches and souls as much as we enjoyed recording it. In the meantime, look after yourselves and I'll see you soon.